Hello, I'm John Cameron, and welcome to Musicology. Um, well, I think music not only sh- should it be entertaining, but it should try to uplift you in some form or fashion. I mean, I think that's the purpose of music. It's to make light of a otherwise dire situation. You know, you take music out of the world, it's going to be pretty uh, dark. Nineteen eighty-seven was a big year for Prince. In March, he released the Sign of the Times album, arguably his magnum opus, a project that went through several iterations in its evolution. First as Dream Factory, which would have likely been credited to himself and his former band, The Revolution. Following their disbandment, he recorded and compiled an album of pitched-up vocal performances under the pseudonym Camille, and then he combined the projects, creating Crystal Ball. After a disagreement with his record company over the voluminous production, the track listing was culled down to what became Sign of the Times. How does it feel that you wrote this record so long ago, and it's still so on time right now? You know, it's part of the evolution. I was growing at that point, and I was getting to a point, a point in my career where I could say anything. From May through to the end of June, he and his mostly new band embarked on the Sign of the Times tour, playing 34 shows across Europe. Several of these were filmed and intended for a theatrical and home video release. However, much of the footage was deemed insufficient and later reshot at Prince's new studio complex, Paisley Park. You know, the idea with art and inspiration is to try to let it grow and then move forward. If there's stagnation, you can always come with something and cut through the maze. So do you sense that you're different? Yeah, my music, I think, is different. Yeah. Paisley Park Studios began construction in early 1986, was in use from May 1987, and officially opened that following September. In addition to its recording studios, soundstage, and offices, it also served as an occasional residence for Prince, allowing him to continue fulfilling his prolific creative inclinations. I don't know if anybody else wants to know this, but I am so curious as to how many unreleased songs, songs done, cut, sitting around Paisley Park. You have any idea? I kind of don't like to speculate because it's upwards of a thousand. Also, during that September, he recorded a series of songs intended for a movie titled Graffiti Bridge with the first script completed later that month. It was intended to star Prince as a character by the name of Camille Blue, with Madonna as Ruthie Washington. Madonna turned down the offer and the project was put on hiatus. Graffiti Bridge would eventually see fruition in 1990 with a new script and soundtrack. Movie's a little bit more complex, but to me it's just a larger version of an album. There are scenes and there are songs. They all go together to make this painting. I'm the painter, and y'all are the paintees. On the 8th of December, Prince's 10th studio album was scheduled for release. Referred to as the Black Album, with no official title or credited artist, it would feature a collection of funk tracks he had worked on from September 1986 to March 1987, with one ballad recorded in October. But a week before its intended release, something happened. Prince decided to discreetly play some of the new album at Rupert's, a nightclub in Minneapolis. This would also be the night he would take the drug ecstasy, presumably for the first time. While mingling in the crowd and likely tripping, he met a young poet and songwriter by the name of Ingrid Chavez. As the night progressed, their greeting intensified into conversations about religion and spirituality, which led him to nickname her Spirit Child. They would journey back to Paisley Park, At some point during their continued exchange, Prince excused himself and made a series of desperate and apologetic phone calls to former collaborators and employees, inviting them to his studio that night for further confrontation. It's commonly believed that this night of drug-induced epiphanies and hallucinations led to his reconsideration of releasing the Black Album. He felt that it was too negative and that Chavez had shown him an elevated connection to his spirituality that needed to be expressed. This night has since been referred to as Blue Tuesday. Within a week of its scheduled release, Prince cancelled the Black Album. 
Half a million vinyls, CDs, and cassettes were sent for destruction. He soon embarked on its replacement and response. Are there any songs that you look at or listen to of your own uh, that you recorded that you maybe don't like anymore? No, I understand why I wrote it at the time. Uh, I don't have regrets like that when it comes to music. As you grow and as you evolve, you, you learn more about yourself, you learn more about the people around you, you start to see yourself as part of the whole universe, and all that changes. So I think I've done the best that I could at what I had to work with at the time. On the 11th of December, sessions for what would become the Love Sexy album began. Prince commenced the basic trackings for the first and last songs of the project, placements maintained throughout all of its configurations. I Know would be the first. Although a fresh start in contrast to the Black Album, much of the track is actually recycled from a crystal ball outtake titled The Ball. general theme of fun and frivolity carried the positive vibes that he would pursue in its new iteration, and many of the productions that followed. The song would be re-recorded, but much of the percussion, horns, and melodies were retained. I Know opens with an introductory piece, sampling a track titled Passing Clouds by Roger Lim, sourced from a BBC sound effects compilation. Appropriately, Chavez is the first voice on the song and album, reciting a mantra that would later reappear on the title track. Rain is wet. Sugar is sweet. Clap your hands and stomp your feet. Everybody, everybody knows when love calls. Following Ingrid is Prince's declaration. Welcome to the new power generation. The reason why my voice is so clear is there's no snack in my brain. Subdued in the mix of synths and chants, Prince makes a reference to his recent movie project. From there, he shouts, Handalacilia, a neologism with no discernible meaning. The lyrics detail his reinforced spirituality, rejecting the temptation of a character called Spooky Electric, a being antithetical to that of love and God, a notion represented by the term love sexy. Basic tracking was mixed down with dry instruments and a scratch vocal. This would change in its second demo version with added reverberation and additional background vocals from Prince's band along with a re-recorded lead. Quiet. We call your name. 
Eventually, parts of the multi-track would be re-recorded and refined, resulting in what appears on the final album. They keep bands for 15, 20 years, but I like to find new young kids that have something that uh, they can uh, bring to the sound. is a carefully designed opener. It introduces the narrative engagingly enough for the listener to be tempted to the final song. Which during that same session was crafted next. think of all my music as one song and um, I'm curious to hear what the last one that I write is going to sound like. I know what the first one was, I'm just curious as to what the last one was. Positivity began as a sparse, funky composition with lyrics of moral questioning embedded in metaphors and hypotheticals. instrumental would be filled out with synthesized steel drums and electric guitar. While the lyrics and lead vocal would remain the same, drummer Sheila E and keyboardist Bonnie Boyer would add their voices on the chorus. Like the former recorded that day, Positivity contains references to spooky electric. Prince warns of his possession, fueled by one's temptation away from love, peace, and honesty. Crawls for. Spooky and all that he crawls for. 
Cat Glover, choreographer and another background singer in his band, would rap a cover of J.M. Silk's Music Is The Key, which he had also done on the song Cindy C from the Black Album. I do remember being in Studio B. French asked me to check the mic. So I started rapping Music Is The Key. I had no idea he was recording me. It was a song called Cindy C. Don't kiss the beast. was unknown to Prince, and once he became aware of its origins, he removed it from the final mix. I Know and Positivity are the bookends between which the album would be crafted. Although it wasn't uncommon for Prince to have such a prolific day, he created two thematic tracks that became the axioms for the project. Just two days later, Prince and the band would record Love Sexy, spelt L-U-V-S-E-X-Y. This version has yet to leak or see an official release, but has been detailed as featuring his entire band and described as significantly different to what it became. On the 16th, Dance On was recorded. Although Prince was quick to initiate and complete a song compared to most artists, this seems to have been more expedited than usual, as remembered by engineer Joe Blaney. We came in for a noon session, and we got a take, uh, you know, in a relatively short time. Where I got the sounds quick, and we got a take. Now, normally, people sort of write the songs before they go in the studio. They usually would rehearse them. If it is an artist who has his own band, and he has a new song he's inspired about, he'd at least take... Uh, 15 or 20 minutes to show the band and let them run through the song once, you know, but it, it was like this is, okay, the A section goes like this, da 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 and the B section goes like this, boom, boom, okay, Joe, roll tape. Grenade launcher rolls in the television sky Tell me how many young brothers must die Dance on, dance on And uh, we got to the first chorus. Yeah, they, he spent, you know, it was like five minutes each. They learned the A and the B section, but they didn't actually, you know, rehearse the song or routine it or like you, like most people do. And uh, so we, we, it gets to the first chorus and someone messes up. So Prince stops and he goes, okay, we'll take it from there. And he goes, Joe, don't roll back. And he's like, you know, one, two, three, boom. Dance on, dance on. And I never worked in this way when the musicians that haven't had the opportunity to figure the song out, they're playing with a certain edge. So he came in the control room and we um, I cut the two-inch tape, which was something we normally did back in the days. But I, I, I don't think more than 15 to 20 minutes transpired between the time he said, I got another song. You know, they went out and started recording and we had the, the tape, the two-inch tape with two edits in it. You know, and I, I've never seen anyone else before or since work in that fashion. Lyrically, it's a deviation from the spiritual themes that were prominent throughout the sessions thus far. Dance On speaks to concerns about nuclear war, the enticement of gangs, and advocacy for education. Topics previously expressed on songs like 1999 and Sign of the Times. It's 
The rapid progression of Dance On speaks to Prince's prowess as a multi-instrumentalist, but with the band's involvement, it shows his acknowledgement of others' capabilities. He could have recorded this and just about every other song in his discography all by himself, but instead he opted for the inclusion of the talent around him, adding their influence and respective abilities. While Dance On is a low point on the album for many, it is arguably a minor valley in a series of peaks. The execution was quick, overdubs would be added the next day, and the song was completed. I consider myself more of a spiritual person than I do political. I'm more concerned with uh, the truth, more concerned with why people won't adhere to it, and why they see themselves as us against them. I used to think that we were the ones that came up with that. But see, we didn't start a lot of these wars, and mm. uh, we certainly don't want to go to them. While working on Love Sexy, Prince was also collaborating with Ingrid Chavez on a spoken word album, for which he would provide music over her readings. This began on the night they met, with one poem having particularly affected him. Shortly after we met, he said, okay, well, I'm going to put you in the studio and I'm going to see what you can do. I wrote Cross the Line. I remember when he came into the studio to hear it, he looked at me with his eyes wide open, and he didn't say anything. He just just looked at me and was silent. In the distance, a light shines. I know it is mine. Someday I will touch it, because it calls me. It says, cross the line. Cross the line. I know everything is not always what it seems So I pinch myself daily just in case it's a dream Man walks a path My spirit to him I give And I will hold his hand And rekindle his will to live And he will live And he will give again I think that when he met me, it was a sign for him that whatever doubts he had about releasing the Black Album, it seemed to clarify something for him. So I think that he was maybe in a spiritual crisis, just through our conversations and our time spent, he was working out some things for himself. A light shines. Love Sexy was born out of that questioning where he was going and what he was looking for. And someday he will touch it, because it calls him. Cross the Line speaks of a destined spiritual journey towards a calling light. Prince was so enamoured by the poem, he penned a song in response, simply titled The Line. Basic tracking was recorded on the 22nd of December, and further editing and overdubs were conducted on the 16th of January. By placing the early version in the left channel and the presumed completed version in the right, we're able to distinctly hear the changes that took place. Within the 35 second introduction, the most apparent addition are the horn overdubs of Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss, as well as Prince's call and response with members of his band. During the song's first verse, where Sheila E. delivers the lead vocals, the early version not only features vocal parts by Prince not present in the final, but also guide chanting, later overdubbed by his band. Although Sheila is the primary vocalist, it appears that her drumming would be added at a later date as part of the song's elongated instrumental sections. I pretty much wanted to be dependent upon God, and when you get 
the inner calling to do something and you know it, that you're being inspired by God, and you pretty much uh, know you better answer that call or suffer the consequences. The final version of the line would run for 8 minutes and 50 seconds. Although it wouldn't make the cut for the final Love Sexy album, it would appear on an early configuration. Musically, uh, how, do you, how do you evolve uh, musically and how do, you, how do you hone your own craft? Uh, musically, I think um, I've evolved by the simple fact of working on my spirit as a human being. It's going to affect everything, especially the music, because music is so dear to me. Uh, that said, I think that um, I don't know if I'm getting to be a better guitar player or a better singer or anything like that, but I feel more confident, I guess I would say, in uh, my uh, gifts. So spirituality is helping you not only musically, but affecting you lyrically as yeah. well? Yes, sir. exact date is not currently known, at some point during the December sessions, Prince recorded Glam Slam. Like Dance On, the song is somewhat of a deviation from the spiritual theme of the album. Some lyrics are arguably nonsensical. Ultimately, the song is about the right person satiating the needs of another. The phrase Glam Slam would be ongoing terminology in Prince's career. In 1991, he recorded Glam Slam 91, almost entirely unrelated to this version. It was sent to radio stations as an advertisement for his new nightclubs, also named Glam Slam. Thank you, and in 1993, a musical production was also attributed Glam Slam Ulysses, again unrelated to this track. Slam would be released as the second single from Love Sexy. It would be commissioned for a release by Shep Pettibone and Steve Peck, who had given similar treatment to other tracks from the previous album, most of which weren't issued. Aside from overdubs during the elongated instrumental sections, extending the remix to almost nine minutes, the differences from the original are minor. The single would attain moderate success and feature the B-side, Escape, Free Your Mind From This Rat Race, recorded especially for the release, built around its A-side's title. Due to the use of the phrase in the track, it's been documented that some radio stations at the time would announce Glam Slam, but instead play Escape. I'm gonna cry
around the first girl that I meet I'm gonna talk so sexy She want me from my head to my feet I don't mean to be rude I guess tonight I, I'm not in the mood If you don't mind, if you don't mind on the 30th of December, Prince began the basic tracking for Alphabet Street, transforming it from its original acoustic blues demo to a repetitious hip-hop funk track. Lyrically, it begins as a bombastic declaration of lust, before moving to a broader positive message, fitting in with the general theme of the album. section would be cut from the final album edit, first beginning with a vocal sample from an unreleased song recorded in November titled Bloody Mouth, which would continue throughout the middle section of the track. Put your love down, baby, when your money gets shot. A group chant declaring religiosity would follow. This removed portion continues with its use of vocal samples until Cat Glover delivers her rap. Ultimately, the song would be edited down to 5 minutes 48 seconds in its longest vocal iteration, down from its raw 7 minutes and 5 seconds, much of which contains extended instrumental portions. As the song winds down, Ingrid Chavez recites the alphabet from A to H, but for some reason skipping G. be intentional as it doesn't appear on the original unedited version. Alphabet Street was released as the first single from Love Sexy just three weeks before the album, charting highly across Europe. 
The release contained what can be best described as a dub version, titled This Is Not Music, This Is A Trip, an almost eight minute remix featuring unused instrumental sections, some of which were recorded specifically. It was originally intended to track for around 15 minutes, but like the original, it would be reduced. People speculate on your personal life all the time anyway, so I just think it's important to keep my private life private and my public persona more into music. You know, I'm really a musician at heart. That's what I do. You think it, it adds an air of mystery that perhaps sells records and, gets, and sells tickets to concerts? No, I'm not so mysterious. I'm pretty open about it. The Love Sexy Sessions wouldn't resume until the 13th of January, 1988, when Prince would lay the foundations for an indisputable masterpiece. Have you ever been so lonely that you felt like you were the only one in this world? Have you ever wanted to play with someone so much you'd take anyone, boy or girl? Continuing to reflect his experience on that Blue Tuesday, Anastasia is another document of his spiritual awakening. Anastasia, come to me, talk to me, ravish me, liberate my mind. Tell me what you think of me, praise me, craze me, out the space and time. Applying the lyrical content to his catalyst as we now know it, Prince seems to poetically reiterate the themes of December 1st, 1987. Between night and black, night and day, black night seemed like the only way, so I danced. Taking the Black Album to a club, observing people's reactions, and then taking a chance with ecstasy. Music late, Music late. nothing great, nothing great. No, way. no way to differentiate, I took a chance. Now on his trip, he looks to Gregory, presumably referencing Greg Brooks, another backing singer and dancer in Prince's band. Next, he meets Ingrid Chavez. Gregory looks just like a ghost and then a beautiful girl the most. Wet her lips to say. What appears on the final album version does slightly differ from the original, instrumentally and lyrically. At this point, he seems to act out his internal monologue. It's happening. It's happening. Cats This section was later replaced with what seems to be a plea for guidance. Where the chorus would once again repeat itself, the demo maintains its instrumental before expanding the narrative. The last lyrical difference, simply removed from the final version, includes Prince characterising Love Sexy 
as his designed place of resignation. Sexy. The feeling you get when you fall in love. Ah, not with a girl or boy, but with the heavens above. <laughs> There's a lot of love in this room tonight. On the 21st of January, Prince puts together a configuration of songs he'd recorded since December. It would include I Know, Alphabet Street, Glam Slam, Anastasia, Dance On, a ballad that had featured on the Black Album titled Love Sexy, The Line, and Positivity. Five days later, an acetate of this sequence would be pressed, although removing the line, despite having received overdubs just ten days prior. With the track lasting almost nine minutes, its inclusion may have compromised the sound quality of the vinyl. While this is close to how the album would eventually be released, Prince continued to refine some of his selections. Also, it was around this time that copies of the Black Album began to circulate within black market music circles. These were sourced from pressings that had escaped destruction. While live recordings of Prince's shows weren't uncommon in bootleg circles, it seems the Black Album was possibly the first containing unreleased studio material. Compilations of outtakes would soon follow and become as essential to Prince's discography as his released works. While the Black Album would eventually receive an official release in 1994, it's often speculated as one of, if not the biggest selling bootleg of all time. All over the world, I'm probably one of the most bootlegged artists out there. Does the, does the listener know if they buy one of these that this isn't what you intended? Um, a lot of my so-called fans do. And uh, they, uh, they actually thrive off the fact that it's stolen property. On the 29th of January, the intended title track would be re-recorded, this time more conventionally spelled as L-O-V-E, Sexy. New power, new power, give it to me. Single way. I'm 
While it is a mostly new song, lyrics would be lifted from a piece Prince had written titled The Most Vital, a phrase present in the track. Numerous parts would be lifted from the original recording, such as the horn lines, much as I Know with the ball, as well as the album's opening mantra. Another element incorporated from the original LUV Sexy would be a cross-gendered, pitch-shifting vocal monologue of admiration and lust. This begins with an unidentified woman yearning for some time with a prospective partner before Prince's vocal kicks back in at a similar pitch with similar sentiments, although more sexually charged. Girls first. Okay, so at first I was going to tell you how super intelligent I could be behind it. And then I could tell you that I could just smell your race cars from rubber in my pants. But I really did. Trip and I never thought of being caught by somebody with the ugly styling grace. Maybe I don't care. I would rip out my hair for just two nights with your face. I don't want to make love to you. I just want to look at you. I just want to listen to you. You got me dripping, dripping all over the floor. The floor. If I come back as a woman, I'm gonna body like yours. Body like yours. Love Sexy would later be remixed into an extended version, suggesting the potential for a single release. This, however, did not come to fruition and, like the original, is yet to leak. I'm constantly evolving, I'm trying to uh, work on my uh, whole being to better myself and uh, the world around me. The album was nearing completion, but there would be one final edition made, yet another entirely solo effort. On the last day of January, Prince began the basic tracking for I Wish You Heaven. In addition to being the final song recorded for the album, it would also be the third and last single, receiving a significant remix. The single version of I Wish You Heaven would lower the guitars in the mix, reduce the reverberation on the drums, and add extra synthesizers. But the most radical change would be its seven and a half minute extension, Prince added two additional parts, the second containing a funky call and response section before moving into the third, incorporating an unreleased song from October 1987 titled Take This Beat. This is so cool. Tell me who in this house know about Sweetie Heaven. We do. Fish tail. I said really. Really. If you know about love, say yeah. Yeah. If you want to go to heaven, say The next configuration of Love Sexy would be compiled within the following weeks, although further minor alterations would be made, like removing the music is the key rap from positivity, it would retain its earliest intended configuration, but with the inclusion of its revamped title track, And I Wish You Heaven.
The Love Sexy album was released on May 10, 1988. The album's cover displays Prince naked on a bed of flowers. This led to some music retailers refusing to stock the release or wrap it up in black paper. Ironic given what it replaced. Another point of contention came with the initial CD release. All nine songs were encoded as one track, forcing the listener to hear the album from start to finish without the option of easily navigating from song to song, unless their player had a fast-forward function. Love Sexy would reach number one in numerous European countries and peak at number 11 on the US Billboard 200 chart, further fueling Prince's notion that Europeans understood his music better than Americans, as was his mentality with the previous Sign of the Times tour. The Black Album would forever retain its legend status, even with its leak and eventual release. But even at the time, Prince did acknowledge it. During the music video for Alphabet Street, Tex scrolls across the screen reading, Don't buy the Black Album, I'm sorry. He would also perform two songs from it on the Love Sexy tour. To have dedicated sessions revolving around one prominent concept rather than selecting from an array of accumulated songs was not something that he had done before. While Prince's immense talent enabled him to create music quickly, the construction of this album was unconventional in its timeline. This is what makes Love Sexy the statement that it is. It's a unique document in Prince's life. He seldom directly conveyed a message or a narrative throughout his albums up to this point, even embedded in characters and arbitrary concepts. It's not essential to understand the backstory of the creation of Love Sexy, but if you do, you're granted a rare insight into Prince's mind.